This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbert III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. Vic, I, man, there's so much going on. We got March Madness. We got the NBA baseball just around the corner. We got Rappaport and KD beefing. What's your opening take, sir? How do you want to start this off? Open it. <laughs> Opening take for me last week, guys, I was uh, touting for my USC Trojans, and I got to give much respect to them. I got to give much respect to Pac-12 in the theme of the March Madness. Great showing for my boys. Congratulations to UCLA making it to the Final Four. As a Pac-12 alum, I am ecstatic. We represented very well in the tournament. The Fresh Coast is the best coast, is the West Coast. So it just looks great for uh, NCAA basketball for the West Coast to actually represent, because we know for years they've always gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to any type of uh, college athletic sports. My opening take is just that it's March Madness, but it takes me back a year ago. You know, we didn't have any March Madness. Matter of fact, there was no sports going on right this time of the year. So I reflect back on what we didn't have and glory and what we do have now today. We mentioned the NBA. We mentioned March Madness, the final four for both the women and the men. We're mentioning baseball coming up. And just last year, all of this was stripped away and taken away from us. So thank you, all you sports commissioners, talking heads, the, the science behind the madness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because I am a fan and I am now a glutton for sports at this particular time. So thank you for all the sports that are out there. Speaking of the NCAA, men and women, the Final Four. You mentioned USC taking a, taking a hit yesterday uh, with Gonzaga. Did you watch the game at all? Did you get a chance to see it? I did see it. And I tell you what, it's, it's very difficult. It's almost like we were talking about football a couple of weeks ago when we know in AFC East, for instance, Buffalo Bills, they used to be that team. But that was in the early 90s. And many of the new generation of, of, of sports fans cannot really relate to a dominant Bills team. It's always been about the, the New England Patriots at AFC East. Well, same thing when looking at NCAA basketball. Gonzaga has always been that team. What, what do you know about that team? John Stockton. That's it. Okay, this team in Washington State, they're so nice. They're media's darlings. But guess what? When it comes to the league, when it comes to the tournament time, you're always looking at the Blue Bloods, Duke, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, UCLA. So they're never going to be that team. I tell you what, I am a believer. When you start hearing that they are undefeated and that they ran the table in their own conference at 14-0, saying, again, who do they play? But when you come against the men versus the men, I'm talking about the big boys of NCAA basketball, March Madness, they've been tested. And as I watched USC play this year, we had a couple high-quality stars. And again, this is Pac-12, so you already feel that you're going to get the best of the best players. And not saying that Gonzaga's not one of the best teams, the best, best schools, but again, you're not talking about Kentucky. You're not talking about UNC, UCLA. Those are the blue bloods. Those are the elites. I tell you what, Gonzaga came with it. And if you have not been watching the last four rounds, even if you missed their whole season, but if you have not watched them play from the 64 round to round 32 to round 16 to round 18, and then last night, 
you got to be a believer. These boys put on a clinic and they stomped a straight yes. mud hole in my boys' tail. So what'd you think about it? That was the first time I saw Gonzaga play, and I was expecting a better game, especially with USC. I was pulling for USC. Like you, I'm a Trojan fan, way back Trojan fan. Um, and so I was expecting a better contest. What I saw, what I witnessed was efficiency, professionalism from Gonzaga, an amateur team, a, co a college team, but they were so efficient. We're talking about backdoor cuts. We're talking about movement, movement, constant movement. Nobody's sitting. Matter of fact, it was even better than it a typical uh, uh, NBA set because everybody was moving. And if you watch in the NBA, it'll only be a couple people will be moving and people waiting on the, in the sides or in the wings, waiting for the ball to come their way. But Gonzaga kept moving. I thought about Pete Carrillo with the backdoor cuts and just movement, movement, movement. And if you're not ready for that, it's one thing to practice against it, but playing against it is another thing because you just have to keep your head on the swivel and you have to be disciplined on defense. And that's where USC was it nerves? Was it the stage too big for them? Were they too anxious? I don't know what it was, but Gonzaga played like they were going to work. It was just work against kids that were at play. Not talking, trying to denigrate the USC Trojans. I'm just saying there was a difference in play. And Gonzaga, from the opening tip to the end, were just more efficient. So they look like the number one seed. They play like the number one seed, and they're going to act like that. If they continue to do that, they will win this thing. So I have. there's no argument with me on Gonzaga being the number one seed, possibly winning it all. And now they're matched up in the final four against UCLA, which is a surprise. I hadn't seen them play until last night. And they beat Michigan. I don't want to say handily, but they just had more energy. They just came out with more fight. Did you get a chance to see that game, Vic? What were your thoughts if you did? I, I did. And this is where being a fan of the sport and it being a fan of a conference, having the historical relevance of all these teams hurts because I want Jawan Howard to do well. I remember the Fab Five. I was in high school in the Midwest. I was in Kansas at that time. And watching the Fab Five and how they changed the culture of NCAA basketball. So wanted to go for Jawan Howard in Michigan – but then I'm a Pac-12 guy, and yes, rooting for my my in-conference rival of UCLA, but understanding the story franchise of UCLA basketball. They're the most winningest team in NCAA. So to see that, and they're coming from the Pac-12 again, it's like, oh, man, I want, I want them to do well. I want them to represent for the conference, but then I got Jawan Howard. So I was torn between what do I really want. But I tell you, both teams played excellent. But to watch how UCLA, again, it's one of those things, we know who we are. We know who we are. At the end of the day, we own college basketball. And for them to turn it up towards the end of the, the, the half and really make that game what it was, I, I was – I was, mm, it was great. It, it was great basketball. And I, and I hurt for Jawan Howard in Michigan, but I'm happy for UCLA. Uh, again, that game could have went anyway. And so to even though that was an upset, it's kind of, wow, as well as UCLA played, that's considered an upset because of their ranking. But also, no, Michigan, that wasn't the same team. One of their players, uh, some guys just didn't show up the way they have. I, again, I don't want to say they choked. I do not want to use the word that they froze at the moment because they've been playing great. Hey, sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off, and they just couldn't hit it from beyond the arc, and that it kind of hurt them. Yeah, I, I, I saw the game, and I was surprised. 
uh, UCLA, I didn't expect them to win. And like you, mixed emotions because I'm a Juwan Howard fan, Fat Five fan, and he goes back to his uh, alma mater and raise them out of the ashes kind of a thing, and, and, and they succeed. And in his first year, they get to this particular point, the Elite Eight. And it's like you get this close, you get this close, and yet you're still so far away. So, Juwan Howard, you have nothing to hang your head about, sir, for coming from the NBA sidelines now to the NCAA sidelines and to bring them this far. Sir, you have nothing to hang your head for. I'm, I feel for your seniors, you know, so – this may be the highest level of play that they ever get to. We don't know what's going to happen. Will they be able to transfer this, their talents? Will it translate into the NBA? I don't know. This could be their highest uh, level of achievement. I don't know. But you brought them that far, and you brought them joy. So, sir, you can say you did something. You made a difference for some of those people. Because who knew Michigan would go as far as they did? Who knew? But UCLA, the home of Luau Cinder, Bill Walton. Marcus Johnson, and on, and on, and on, and on. Kip, must, I can't forget John Wooden. I'd be remiss if I didn't say John Wooden. So UCLA, you're representing again. I'm not going to mention the balls. I guess I did, but they happened to go to, uh, uh, Alonzo happened to go to UCLA, but it's just a, a story tradition, and you mentioned it, how they have, in the NCAA, they are the most winningest uh, franchise in the NCAA. And so to come this far, to make it to the final four, you, you got your hands full with Gonzaga this weekend. And so I'm pulling for you, UCLA, but you got to bring your hard hat. You got to be ready to play and you can't take it lightly because I don't believe they are. And so when you talk about the John Stocklands, you talk about the backdoor cuts, you talk about the screens, you talk about taking charges, you talk about the fundamentals, Gonzaga plays fundamentally sound. They make very few mistakes, which means UCLA, you're going to have to play almost a flawless game. Perfect. But you can do it. And I'm pulling for you. Yeah, Mark Few, if anyone understands who Mark Few is, the head coach for Gonzaga, the culture he's built over the last 10 years. That is what I'm impressed about. He still has the guys playing with a chip on their shoulder. He still has them playing as if, hey, we're just that team. We're just a Cinderella team every year. Because those guys come out, again, they play very efficient, but they play with anger. Like, you will respect me. And we're going against the Blue Bloods. So here goes another true test. If you were a doubter, here it is. Okay, we took care of USC. Now we're going to take care of UCLA. Or they're trying mm -hmm. to take care of UCLA. But never mind, they're taking care of UCLA. So again, how he prepares his team, how he has those guys ready to say that was last week's game, that game's over, now it's play for the moment. They're not playing for next week. They're playing for the moment. And watching how he's done that over his tenure at Gonzaga has been impressive. And it takes a special leader to, you know, again, to rally, to rally your team, to have a vision, saying this is where we're at, this is where we're going, but every step matters. And so I enjoy watching what he's been able to do. His name is still not mentioned along the lines of the Rick Patinos or the, uh, uh, you know, the greats out there. Um, so when, when, when we see that he's Calipari's. still getting slighted from a national – yeah, Calipari's, yeah. So when we see him still getting slighted from the national conversation, it causes me to want to root for him because he is a great coach. He has a great system in place, and what he's done with that team and what he's doing for, uh, for basketball on the West Coast as well is impressive. So uh, I hope yes. – I hope, 
in that vein, I, I feel bad saying I hope he does very well. You know, again, I'm torn, mixed emotions between UCLA and Michigan. Have you been able to follow the women's uh, uh, game at all since they've been into the uh, March Madness? I have not as much. However, I have a classmate, a high school classmate, Adia Barnes, who is the head coach from Arizona. Like Jawan Howard, she went back to her alma mater and she's coached her team to the Final Four. And I'm so proud of her. And I would have used that as my closing burn, but I got something else for that. But I watch what she's been able to do with her team. I, I am I am beyond ecstatic. But what I am upset about, how the doggone to heck did Baylor get robbed like that, man? How did the Baylor females oh, get goodness. robbed like that? We've already been talking about how Baylor or how uh, NCAA women's basketball has been getting a short end of the stick. But if you watch that doggone yes. game, the, the whole purpose of referees are not to determine the outcome of a game. You referee right. the game. I understand there'd be some missed calls right. here and there, but come on, man. When you start having sports betting a part of our our, our nation, uh, a sports society now, you don't want calls like yes. that to call it to, yeah, our culture. You do not want calls like that to make you think is the game fixed or not. That that was unsat. They needed to fix that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't believe any game comes down to one play because I believe a lot of plays – the totality of the plays make the game, right? So at that particular time, the referees did blow it. I just want the referees to get it right. So don't they have instant replay? And if they don't, they need to get instant replay because you don't want it to decide or be decided by a, a missed call or a call that you thought you saw that isn't a call. So are you an advocate of instant replay or, or not? Because in this instance, it would have been great to challenge or not challenge that call. And so I, I just want to get it right. When you talk about playing at this stage and we're talking about the seniors, they won't get a chance, maybe any of them to play again at this level. And so they're done. And to be done like that is not fair, right? But what, are you, what is your opinion on the instant replay, the instant review uh, uh, and thoughts, whether it's college or even in the pros? And I know this is kind of off topic, but what are your thoughts about that? And then we'll get back to the NCAA women. I think I, I enjoy instant replay. Again, it's how do you use it? Let's use it effectively. Let's use it for the right reason. These games, we come down to Final Four. We come down to Super Bowls. We come down to Championship Game, World Series. This is the time not to have the referees dictate the, the, the end of the game or the outcome of a game. I do not want to be a fan of the sport walk away saying, well, what if they would have done this? What happened this? Now, I agree. That game, Baylor did not lose that game because of that play, but that play at that right. time definitely dictated the outcome of the game. Hey, they had a host of turnovers. After they lost their point guard, they had a host of turnovers. They were being sloppy. They couldn't get into rhythm. And UConn is that team. That's the team your mama warned you about. You don't mess around with those guys. You when you have the New England Patriots, the uh, UConn, uh, when you have uh, uh, the Dodgers, the, when you have teams and you have your foot on their neck, you choke them out. You don't leave any room, so you lost your starter. You find a way to rally your team to put them out. I'm talking about not no standing eight count, straight up knocked out. See the birds, Tweety birds, and everything else going around their head. They're done. And so when you fail to do that. Now you're chasing. And they had a masterful run, UConn did. So now you're 
you're starting to panic. And they cannot keep up with the momentum that UConn had as they are being who they are. They're champions. Yes. Gino has taught, has coached champions. Look at his resume. So I definitely do not want to take anything away from UConn because I have enjoyed watching UConn men from the 90s and then UConn females, uh, what, what Gino has done with that team. So I do not want to take away from them. But, again, you had opportunities, Baylor, to win that game. You had opportunities. So, but I do not like what that the last five seconds of a game where even though they had opportunities prior to, referees took away an opportunity right there. And that should not have been the end of that narrative. So I do think uh, instant replay should be incorporated wisely, effectively, but definitely maybe in the last 30 seconds of a game, last minute or some sort of those those uh, yeah. career and destiny-defining games. Yeah, agree, agree. I don't have um, a team necessarily with the women's uh, team, but I have a, a, a player, Kiana Williams, for Stanford that I'm pulling for. Kiana uh, is a, a granddaughter of one of our members of our church, and so if you see her play, man, she got mad game, mad skills out of San Antonio here, and she's – one of the leaders, and Russell Wilson's sister also is playing on the Stanford uh, team as a guard. So they're balling really well, and they're playing against South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. And then I think your team that you mentioned, your friend who's the coach, Arizona, against UConn this week as a Final Four makeup matchup. So it's going to be interesting. I'll be tuned in because this is where, you know, the rubber really does meet the road. So NCAA men, NCAA women, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But the level of competition, and it's exciting. I thank you as a fan that you're doing what you're doing. But we want to transition, Vic. Dr. Herbert, we want to transition to the NBA. You saw the free agent signings. You saw people. It was like the arms race. It was like the East against the West, and people were signing left and right. Did anything move the needle for you? What grabbed your attention, sir? Did something move that needle for me? Is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be right here. Don't get me started. A week ago, I told you I was scared, dog. I said I was scared. I was concerned about my Lakers a week ago. But we said it, Rob, we trust. And a new yes. drumming was floating out there. And I'm like, yo, tell me, up. Uh, do I, do I have cause for concern? Because this is how I feel. I, this is my team. I mean, just lost LBJ. AD's down. What, what are we going to do? What can we do? How far can we fall in rankings? And doggone it, you know, if Robbie Trust hit that home run, Yes. I think we got <laughs> something here. I, I like that yes. move. And, and so that's what we needed. We need to stop the bleeding. He's not a drumming tomorrow yes. when he starts uh, this next game is not going to automatically give us on a seven game win streak. However, he can at least help right. change the tie. Him and Schroeder can definitely get some wins in, and that can give LBJ and AD some more adequate time for rest and allow Drummond to get accustomed to this team, get accustomed to the system, and he becomes a, a significant contributor. And all I said, we always needed that big three. I know Frank Vogel was all about the committee, but we need the big three. We need a solid three, and his shoulder wants to play point the way he's been doing. Hey, this dude's going to get us double doubles. We're talking about double points. He, he, oh, mm. So 
10 years ago, I was upset with David Stern when he when he when he mixed our, our opportunity to get CP3. And it would have been CP3, yes. Kobe, and and uh and D12, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. The the younger version of Dwight. Now we have a chance to right that wrong by getting Drummond, who's no and he loves his he loves his role in the paint. He's gonna bang down there. He 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 he's go, he's ready to get dirty. He's come from the Eastern Conference, so he's about that about that bully ball. And he's going to work hard. That's all we needed. Give us a good, solid body. Boogie couldn't do it that well last year. Dwight Howard could do the bodies, but he couldn't score the points. So, and and again, Dwight Howard's not as young as as Drummond. So to watch us reload this way, it gives me a burst of confidence. I'm excited to watch how we will ascend. And again, now even if we're number six in seat, I don't care because once we reconstitute and our our two uh, our two stars come back together, it's on. And watching Drummond's humility. When he joined the team, when you get players to your team, or if, even if we take this in the organizational uh, leadership concept, if you have a, a, a high-performing organization and a great culture, uh, a high morale, and someone's coming from another organization where they did not experience that, they're coming here to say, well, I'm now a member of this team with a level of excitement. They want to say why I contribute, why I matter, and they're going to come very hungry. And I see a lot of humility with him because he's played, he's paid his dues with the Cleveland's, with the Detroit's, and he wants to win. And so he's going to come here saying, wow, I want, how can I play? How can I be a member? What do you all need me to do? No ego there. And I enjoy what he also does off the court. So from that part, I'm excited. I'll let you count on that before I go to the Easter conference. But what do you think about that, man? So Drummond allows us and our role players to go back to their roles not play above their heads or heads over their skis. Just get back to your role. Kuzma, give me some energy. Caruso, just give me some energy. Schroeder, lead the team, put everybody in place. But Drummond can play the big man. Montrez Harrell can just come in at still coming off the bench and play, and play his six-man role. He doesn't have to do uh, big minutes in the paint like he was doing with Margasol, not necessarily fulfilling his role as the lead uh, uh, big five big. So Drummond allows everybody to get back into the roles. Yes, we're missing AD. Less, yes, we're missing uh, LeBron James. But they can rest. This is just a, the finger into the dike right now. Stop the flood somewhat. Uh, but, and you're right. It doesn't automatically equate to wins. But it, it can, we can. we should win the ones we're supposed to win as they continue to mesh and meld together as a unit and as a team. And so I do uh, trust in Frank Vogel as well. So Denver moved the needle. They got JaVel McGee. They got Aaron Gordon. And they solidified their bench as well. And they're trying. It's an arms race. And they're really trying to match up very well against the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers. So I see them as one and two. The Jazz didn't do anything. They had no signings. They didn't, didn't lose anybody. Didn't gain anybody through free agency. No buyouts. Nothing. So they maintained and stayed pat. I don't believe they're the best team in the West. I still think that we are, but the records are not necessarily reflective of who really is the best team. So that's the West. And in, in the East, if I may, James Harden is still the best trade that was made in the East. When, they, when the Nets got James Harden, and then they get Blake, they get uh, Lamar, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, and so they're looking good, but I don't, I'm not necessarily feeling them. They didn't need the, those two additions because they already had KD, who hasn't played in a month, five weeks or so. 
you still got Kyrie and you got James Harden. And James Harden, and I've said it repeatedly, is playing at an MVP level. They are going to be the representative in, out of the East, God willing that they have no injuries. So they're looking good. I don't see anybody else in the East representing. I did want to mention our producer, Steve. He's a Celtics fan. And he has been on the air telling us that they need to make some moves. They need to make some moves now. I don't know what moves that they need to make, but they need to make some moves. They are below 500 right now. And so I did not see that coming. But you wanted to talk about the East and the need of moving somewhat in the East with the free agent signings. What is your take, sir? I think that the Nets are starting to get a little overconfident. I think they're doing a little too much. Mm -hmm. I agree. The Harden trade was the trade of the year. But getting Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge almost reminds me of the Lakers of 2003, 2004, when we wanted to get in Carl Malone and Gary Payton. That's just too much. It was too much. We just needed that one extra player to compliment Shaq and Kobe, and we probably could have done something. But it's just too much. And to get LaMarcus and a Blake Griffin that hasn't really done, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in how that looks. And, again, that big three has still not been a big three. So now you got two more, so now you got a big five. I don't know if they plan to start LaMarcus and Blake or all three. I don't know if they have their Eastern version of a all-star team. I don't know what it looks like. But when KD gets on, on the court and start playing with Michael Rappaport, maybe we can see what kind of team they're going to have. And now, they again, they got, what, five weeks left before the end of the season or less than that. So they're going to start gelling and meshing in the playoffs? I, I – I think it can be a train wreck waiting to come because they have not had a chance to storm, norm, and form and start performing. So I'm really interested, again, at that narrative. Can What can they do in a seven-game series? You like the Nets. I like the 76ers. The reason why I like the 76ers because mm. I like Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is the proven coach. This is still Steve Nash's first year. Steve Nash's first year. Doc Rivers got his boys playing on a, on a high-caliber uh, Doc Rivers has his chip on his shoulder as well. And so I do expect that to be the Eastern Conference finals game. And it may I come up it. against matchups, maybe come to coaches. But because of Doc Rivers' pedigree and how he's owned the East when he was in the East, I still give my nod to them, provided, like you said, injuries. Provided Joel Embiid is healthy. Provided Ben Simmons is healthy. those That, that team is something to play with. And they're young guns. So I like to watch that, but I'm really again East. Mm, the Nets that only those two pieces make me feel what they do that for, and I am very concerned again from a basketball purist standpoint, knowing that the Lakers have our 17 championships for my brothers in the East, because I I give props to our producer Steve. He said, "Look, this is not the Celtics team we want," and we spoke about Brad Stevens. We talked about his record. And so I enjoy right having here. that candid conversation with a Celtics fan because, like us, we will, we will be hard on ourselves in L.A. We will, be, we will tell it like it is, good and bad. And he did that. And it has come to fruition. He made a bold statement saying they need to trade Jason Tatum. He made that bold statement. And so watching them fall below 500, will that mean something happens in the offseason? Because – they, they, they've been playing the point guard game for some years. The Kimball Walkers, Kyrie, Irving, uh, they, they've gone through these rosters. So Danny Ainge, what, what are you going to do? 
is Brad Stevens your guy? Almost a decade he's been at that position as the head coach. What are they going to do? And for, again, for the arms race in the East to happen, and instead of the Celtics rising, they're falling underneath the Bucks, underneath the Heat, underneath, you know, these other teams that they were already superior, the Raptors. Yeah. That's something to really look at what's happening in the Beantown. Great point, brother. Man, time time flew by already. We're at the end. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Herbin, for being my co-host for this many months already. I'm having fun. Having said that, there, our co-host, Dr. Jania Hoover, we miss you. We miss you. It's like us just running and running and running, and we have no guidance, no direction, and you are our guard. So we need you back. For those who do not know, Dr. Hoover, Dr. Janelle Hoover, she's free commitments, and so she'll be back next week, God willing. Last thing I want to say, 550,000 deaths due to COVID. Please continue to mask up, hand sanitize, and please keep socially distanced. And we'll see you next week on Taking It to the House. Everyone, please check in with us on our Twitter. We have a very actively engaged Twitter page. Hit us up on there. We're talking every day. We're taking it to the house every day. Talk to us. Let us know what you got because we're bringing the heat. In addition to that, I have to say, my son, I spoke about my son on air before. I'm extremely proud of my son. He has made his decision for where he's going to spend his next four years of college. My son is going to go to LSU, Louisiana State University, and he will be class of 2025. I'm so proud of this young man. I'm so proud of him. And so to my son, uh, we rally behind you. We stand behind you as you continue to progress in life and this next phase of life that uh, things are going to get even that much sweeter. Enjoy these next four years. Let's enjoy this summer. Uh, as, as we have the serious conversations and prepare you for this next phase of life. So again, I'm very proud, very proud father over here to my son, class of 2025, C. Victor Herb on the fourth. Handle your business, son. Quarter.